0: Welcome in, everyone, to Up and Down, a disc golf analytics podcast on the Statmando Podcast Network. I'm Jesse, joined, as usual, by Joey. Hello. We're the nerds who run this thing. And last episode, we had Andrew Marweed on to talk about his putting season. So this episode, we're looking at some of the other great putting seasons this year, including an FPO player who could be giving Owen a run for her money in 2024. But first, Joey,
1: how you doing, man? I'm doing great. I managed to get out today. We had a three twenty tea time and we made it fourteen holes before it got dark. And we had to bail after that. So a little bummed so that winter's crept up on us in the northeast
0: and so because you had a tea
1: time, I'm assuming this is Maple, yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, it, that's just when we started, I mean. Um, it, was oh, new, oh, oh. Okay. it was actually a new it was actually a new course that we played for the first time. It was called Hillside Park. Um, it's a public park course in mass. Actually, I saw when I got home that Simon actually just posted a video he just played there and I haven't even seen it. So I I don't have his takes on it yet, but um, definitely check out Simon's video. But that was the course I got to play today. So that was my 50th course, unique course ever. So kind of a cool achievement there.
0: That's a big one. That's a big milestone. I'm very excited to see how how that number count goes for you in the next few years, because you've only been playing for what three, three years, years. Now? so yeah yeah still yeah. got a ways to go but fifty's a good count that's probably close to what my count is i don't trust my disk number because i've especially like early in my playing days i i didn't log very much in udisc so sure i'm sure there are probably at least five or six courses i've played that are not in there but yeah yeah what about you maybe a, have you been uh, not too bad. Went into work for a little bit today, not a whole day, which is good. And then played some pickleball, which is super fun. Uh, nice. I'm definitely getting on the pickleball train. Very fun, very low barrier to entry. So most of the people I've been playing with too, they've only played about as many times as I have, which is like two or three. Makes times. it
1: really fun. Sure. When everybody's kind of on the same playing field.
0: Yeah, and it feels like everyone is surprisingly good. I mean, some of these people are coming from a tennis background, or... I played with the guy today. I've been coworkers with him for, like, four years now. Okay. And I had no idea that I think, technically, it is fair to say he's a professional ping-pong player. Really? Okay. Yeah, he, like, just a few weeks ago, he was in Phoenix for a ping-pong tournament. I mean I imagine that makes him an excellent pickleball player. He's pretty good. Uh he definitely has a unique grip on the paddle where it's kind of like a like a claw style ping pong type grip. Sure. Um I I it's not easy to explain without being able to show it, but yeah, very interesting. He was pretty good. I mean, I don't think he was much better than me or like he definitely wasn't the the best player out there I don't think but I think also that was his maybe second time ever playing so you know once he figures out how to translate those skills a little bit more to to pickleball I'm sure he'll be lethal on the courts sure but yeah it was kind of fun I got to uh, tell a lot of people today that I was doing a podcast episode today and a lot of my friends learned today that we do this so that was kind of fun
1: yeah, some of the guys I work with found out about it a couple of weeks ago, so that was kind of cool to talk to them about that and tell them about it, so.
0: On that note, we are recording a Disc Golf Analytics podcast as we speak, Joey, so why don't we uh, dive into our topic today, shall we? Let's do it. So I think it's pretty fair to call this episode Best Putting of 2023 Part 2, where Part one, while not necessarily named that, would be the Andrew Marweed episode, of course, with his record-setting C1X season and just overall immaculate putting season as always. In part two today, the plan is to look at some other really, really cool putting seasons that happened this year that may otherwise be overshadowed by what Marweed is doing and what Owen Scoggins continues to do in the FPO field. So I've got three seasons lined up here that I kind of want to highlight because I think
1: these seasons are really, really good. And if we don't talk about them, I don't know who will. Very exciting. And something a little unique that we're doing on this episode, you did pretty much all the preparation for this and I haven't heard a lot of this. So these are genuine responses to this. You know, obviously I'm familiar with these players and and hopefully a little bit about their putting seasons, but I'm excited to hear what you got and give you some honest responses.
0: Yeah, you're in the weeds enough to probably not be too surprised by some of these things, but, you know, hopefully you can at least fake some enthusiasm if you're uh, not at all surprised by any of these stats. No, I'm I'm sure they'll be pretty solid. (laughs) If they're not good stats, I will let you know. Fair. Sorry, I paused for a second thinking, hmm, what, what qualifies as a bad stat? But I've actually, if you go on X, the artist formerly known as Twitter. Uh, I have seen some repostings of some very funny, like bad stats.
1: Okay. And yeah.
0: uh, you know, on the order of, you know, someone's teeing off in a PGA event and uh, the player who drives the ball further off the tee scores better on this whole 52% of the time or something like, okay, that that's a oh, bad stat. I'll, yeah, I'll give that's, you that. That's, yeah, not useful that's, that's pretty. Yeah. Unexciting. Uh, I guess before we jump into it, Joe, I pulled up my number of courses played in UDisc. This is going to be our only guess the stat today. <laughs> <laughs> um, Take a guess at what UDisc says, keeping in mind that it's probably not one hundred percent accurate, or at least as accurate as your count is.
1: Um, let's go exactly fifty, just like mine. Uh, pretty close. It's forty-eight. Okay. So I suspect the number is
0: maybe a little bit higher. I did recently go in and log some of the courses that I could tell were missing from my course map. Sure. So it it is probably pretty close. I'm willing to give you the the win on this one. You're 50 to my 48, so.
1: I will will take that proudly.
0: All right, let's jump in here. First season I want to talk about is James Proctor. We kind of highlighted what he was able to do this season when we had Marweed on the show. Uh, There was a section where we had him on where we were kind of listing who the other big names to watch were, specifically as far as C1X putting. And at least with regards to looking at the stats for this season, James Proctor was definitely the best season, not only of 2023 from C1X, of all people not named Andrew Marweed, but... It goes a little deeper than that, and and I'll get into that in a minute here. But first, let's just look at the numbers here. So, just looking at James Proctor's DGPT events, which there were many of them, I don't have the exact count for you, his C1X putting was 90.69%. So that means out of 698 attempts, he was able to sink 633 of them. Pretty good. Also a very large number of attempts, especially for someone who doesn't Miss all that often and have like multiple C1X attempts on the same hole. Right. So, a lot of attempts to have a percentage that's that high. Obviously, that was good for second on the season behind Andrew Marweed's 92.65%. So, still a couple of percentage points behind Marweed's mark, but the only other player besides Marweed to exceed 90% on the year, which is no small feat. Uh, Something I decided to do when pulling up some other putting stats, and obviously we'll get to those later, Um, I decided to take into more strong consideration the C1X putting numbers for all events and not just DGPT events. Okay. I'll elaborate on that as we talk about seasons beyond just the 2023 season. But for now, looking at his c1x percentage for all events not just dgpt events uh not a whole big difference for proctor's case but as we continue uh, later on there will be a big difference this number just hurts my soul joe and i'm sure it's going to hurt yours for all events that he played this year his c1x percentage was 89.99 percent
1: oh one putt. is that
0: just not the most sour thing you've ever heard poor one, guy one putt Yeah, so the numbers come down to 739 attempts and 665 makes. So only 41 more attempts than his DGPT numbers. So only 41 attempts in non-DGPT events. My guess is those were probably 41 attempts at USDGC, but I did not look that up specifically. That is good for second on the year. Uh, again, looking at all events, not just DGPT events. Of course, that is second to Andrew Marweed, who, get this, his number goes from 92.65% to 93.09% Ooh, so because it helped him, it helped him bec- for two reasons. One, it includes USDGC, where he was a perfect 40 for 40. No small feat there. Of course. And... I don't know why this is true. It excludes the tour Championship. I don't know why. I didn't... When I first noticed that, I didn't stop and think, huh, should I just manually add those numbers back in? Because it feels like that's in spirit of what this stat should be. Uh, I didn't really consider it at the time, and I just kind of left it that way. I think... For now, you know, keep that in mind that it doesn't include the tour championship. And whenever we mention someone else's total season C1X percentage, it also won't include that event if they were in the tour championship. Kind of weird, but, you know, in this case, works in marweed's favor. Ninety three point oh nine percent. Quite a number.
1: Yeah. Wow.
0: Yeah. The only guy above 90 percent and it's ninety three percent by a lot. Yeah, it's it's by a lot now. We've talked about the Marweed seasons, you know, and we've spent so much time talking about seasons that are in that 91, 92, now 93% threshold, depending on how you break down uh, the numbers and the tournaments and everything. So it can be hard to notice and appreciate that this was the third best dgpt c1x percentage of all time
1: proctor's season you mean 20 proctors his 90.69 so that's going to be behind 23 marweed and 22 marweed and then it would be 23 proctor right after that correct yeah
0: the caveat on that or the qualifier i should say is for a minimum of 240 attempts okay that number I chose because Paul Macbeth in 2019 had 239 attempts and there was a big enough space between him and the next lowest number of attempts that I figured that was a good place to cut it off. Um, Paul, if he had a 240th attempt and missed it, he would have had the third best percentage all time. I think I'm pretty sure that's true. Um, But You know, with that qualifier where it's at, uh, James Proctor gets that title. And I think it's totally fair because the three guys who now have the first, second, and third best percentages have such high attempts that I I think it's fair to just look at those.
1: That makes sense to me. Yeah, I agree with that.
0: He also becomes the first player in the 90% club not named Andrew Martweed. Because, like you said, he's got the first and the second best scenes of all time. Right. So the big takeaway there is it can be done, right? (laughs) If you're not Andrew Marweed, uh, there is now precedence for saying you, too, can hit 90% in your DGPT C1X percentage. First time it's been done. Very crazy. Yeah. Very impressive. yeah, now those numbers go back to 2016 because the DGPT started in 2016. The, the issue with that is that going back to the really early seasons, like 2016 and 2017 in particular, most pros, even if they were playing basically every Pro Tour event, only maybe four or five of those events would be DGPT events. And so even if you played in all of them, those seasons, once you add a minimum number of attempts qualifier,
1: uh, those seasons
0: never count for anybody.
1: Right. right? You'd, ha- you'd have to like add the NT events too, right? If you, exactly. If you consider that in the spirit of DGPT only, right? Right.
0: And so I definitely think we need to do some work to reassess these numbers looking at all that that's kind of why you know i suggested i would get to it later and i thought i would get to it much later but let's just cover it now when i mentioned james proctor's dgpt percentage and his total season percentage it is to give a fair shot to those early seasons where just most of those events were not considered dgpt events you know
1: right so for the most part on udisc live i mean if you're not if you're doing DGP only versus all events, it's really only a few that get left behind, right? US DGC notably. Um, and, and there's really not too many others.
0: Yeah. In the early seasons, there are a lot that get left off. But right, we are now right. at the point, like basically since 2021, where the if a guy tour, is... Yeah. Yeah, if a player is on the pro tour, basically all of those events are DGPT events. So it only beneficial, I think to look at the full season, just so that you kind of give the benefit of the doubt to those early seasons. Right. So yeah, that's really all I have on James Proctor. First guy, not named Andrew Marweed to hit 90%. Obviously we've got a, you know, that number only applies to the DGPT events because he was a hundredth of a percentage point away from doing it for the whole season. <laughs> but, you know, very he's impressive. only been on tour full
1: time for a couple seasons. So I, I think he I think he can do it. Oh, for sure. I, I yeah. wouldn't be surprised if he, we see him bring his career percentage over 90 percent.
0: Yeah, I don't think that's a a crazy thought because his putting has been great going back to last year and I'm sure 2021 too. Yeah. All right. The next putting performance we want to look at here, we're going from focusing mostly on C1X to now focusing mostly on Circle 2. And I think you know where this is going. Gannon Burr, the kid. So going into this season... There were only 13 DGPT seasons that had a circle two percentage of at least 35% with at least 100 attempts. Of those 13 that were at least 35%, only one of them was higher than 37%. That was, ironically, Gannon Burr just last year in 2022 that number was 37.24%, and it was done over the span of 435 attempts. That's a lot of Circle 2 putts. It's a lot, and comparing that number to some of these other players who are playing most of these events, uh, it's still a lot compared to what those other players are doing. Now, Gannon does play, like, almost every event. It seems like he definitely played more events than the average player by you know, two or three events. Uh, so it makes sense that that attempts number is higher. So I'll say it once again, that number was 37.24%. That was the record going into this season. This season, three players broke that record this year. Again, with the qualifier thats that it is at least 100 attempts. Those players, going from lowest percentage to highest percentage, are... Matt Oram, props to Matt Oram, 37.5% in 320 attempts, so slightly higher percentage than Gannon Burr in 2022, a hundred fewer attempts, but still a good number of attempts, right? So, if you had to choose between that season and Gannon's for best Circle 2 season of all time, eh, maybe there's an argument each way, but we don't have to argue because there's two more seasons that were better than that anyway. Best season number two of the season, and now DGPT, Ricky Waisaki, 37.84% in 296 attempts. So again, slightly better percentage, slightly fewer attempts. I think it's higher enough that I probably give the edge to Waisaki here, but the argument could be made either way. And then, the best season of the season, the best season of the season, the best circle two season, of 2023. The best Circle 2 season DGPT season of all time. Gannon Burr 40.66% in 396
1: attempts. Oh, it's I it's funny because we don't see that many even touch the 35. Like you said, there's only been what, 13 ever. 13? And it, it reminds me of like own last year, right? Where m- most of the best FPO circle Two putting seasons ever were like barely breaking 20. And then she hit 30. That's what this right, feels right. like where it's just like a monumental leap forward. Right. To just break right. 40.
0: And think about how many more players there are in the MPO field than the FPO. Right. Obviously let's not take away from what Owen did last year, but to have that kind of separation, in the MPO field. It's the same reason that Marweed's Circle One stats are so crazy, right? It's because that field is so big. Right. But the spread is still so big, also. Now, Gannon Bird does have slightly fewer attempts in this season than he did last season. That was 396 compared to 435. So only 39 fewer attempts. However, in those 39 fewer attempts this year, he only missed or sorry, he only made one fewer less putt. Yeah, the English is there, but let me rephrase that. 162 makes last year, 161 makes this year in 39 fewer attempts.
1: Okay, that makes sense to me when you word it that way. Wow, I mean, <laughs> it really is sort of, sort of different. Like, you, you look at a guy like Marwi, and I think... Um, you know, Marby, I think broke thirty percent as well in Circle Two. We were just thirty-four, about, I think. Yeah, we were just talking about Proctor. I think he was in that like thirty-six, low thirty-seven ballpark. Um, yes. And then, I mean, for Gannon to just be five percent beyond that, I mean, that's. It, it's. Yeah, it's it's different. I mean, there's really no way to put different words to it, right? It's just he's in a different class, right? And when somebody jumps this far beyond everybody else, I mean, that's that's why we have the S tier, right? And every all these other amazing circle two putters, you have to call them A tier because Gannon is just that far beyond.
0: When we had Andrew Marweed on the show a couple of weeks ago now, we were talking about you know, who's the best putter not named Andrew Marweed. And we didn't limit it to just circle one or just circle two, but just kind of all around, who's the best putter not named Andrew Marweed. And we did end up kind of looking at circle one and circle two individually, and then kind of seeing if there was someone relevant in both camps that we could kind of make the argument. When we were having this discussion we mentioned Gannon Burr as just obviously the best circle two putter in the game right now. And Andrew Marweed himself was like, yeah, you guys nailed it. Like he is just so obviously the best, like it's not close. And so for a, for a guy of his caliber to say that about Gannon Burr's season, I think really puts the cherry on the cake.
1: Yeah. I mean, he certainly is uh, qualified to make that assessment and, trust his judgment. I mean, not that the the numbers would steer us in any other direction. I mean, even last year, it it was, I don't want to say obvious, but it was clear that Gannon was a step past everybody else in circle two. And I mean, he showed us that that was not a fluke at all. And, and he legitimately is.
0: Yeah, there are a couple guys that come to mind that I wish would just play more events to see if their numbers would compete with Gannon's um, the two guys specifically that come to mind are Cameron Messerschmidt and Reed Frescira. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It
0: seems like those guys just keep putting up like 38, 39%, but they but only do. Only like
1: five events, right?
0: Yeah, it's yeah. like 110 attempts, you know, and it's just not enough to like really make the case. So I think the potential is there. Like we said, where we're just looking at DGPT seasons it kind of rules out by default 2016 and 2017 where you put these number of attempt qualifiers on it. So the data we're looking at is really only five or six years of data. So to have an outlier like this is not crazy to have three people in a single season break the previous record. Also not like too insane yet. Once we've got like 10 years under our belt, I think, that's when that's really going to be pretty crazy. We're just not there yet. So it's it's way too early to say, like, you know, is anyone ever going to break this record? Like, yeah, Gannon's probably going to break this record. The kid's yeah. 18 years old, you know? Yeah. Like, he's got 20 more years, probably 25 more years in, in the show.
1: Right. Totally he's, agree.
0: Unless something drastically changes about either putting or how we – talk analytically about putting
1: Uh, yeah i mean uh, this is not unbreakable you know no for sure not and especially with like events changing on tour i mean marweed kind of had a great conversation with us about you know we were talking about c1x but i think it clearly applies where we were talking about you know what do you think is the upper limit and he he was smart enough to give a what I thought was a really intelligent answer, where he talked about, you know, it depends what events you play. If you pick and choose, that matters. And the reason I make that point is, I mean, even just thinking, think about LVC being off tour and now playing in Florida, right? What is, you know, LVC is notoriously windy in those long circle two putts, right? And. You got a lot of rollaways and stuff like that that make the comebacks harder. And I mean, that changes it, right? If you've got 40 attempts at LVC in circle one and I don't know, what do you want to call it? 15, 20 circle two attempts. Yeah. You know, if you make three or four more of those that you wouldn't have otherwise made, I, I mean, this... That's that, like a full that, percentage point. That's when a you full have percentage attempts. point. Right. Yeah. You know, that's that stuff matters. You know, if Gannon's putting 40% and he played, what, 20 events, you know, it's a weird way to say it, but he's earning two of those percent in each of those events, right? So, I mean, if you do a little better in one more event, it could make a difference. So, I think we're going to continue to see this evolve as the years go on, and I I would bet good money that this is going to get broken in the next two years, and I would be most likely to put that money on Gannon himself to continue pushing it. But like, like we said, I mean, 37% last year was, was insane and other people broke it this year. Right. So I think it's going to continue being pushed in that direction. Yeah. hundred percent
0: looking at not just DGPT events now, but full seasons, we have 17 players that have got 35% circle two or better with at least 100 attempts. Uh, again, you know, I say full seasons. It is important to note that those are just all of the events that are tracked in UDISC Live. It isn't necessarily all events that they're playing, like A tiers and stuff like that, that might not just be in the UDISC Live data. Right. Anyways, 17 seasons. or better with 100 attempts. Only one of those exceeded 38%. That is Andrew Marweed just last year at 38.16%. Gannon's number does drop a little bit from 40.66 to 40.44, but still the best by more than a couple percentage points. Uh, So not really close.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting how sensitive this is to those qualifiers, right?
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you could argue where that number should be. Uh, the way that Marweed was saying it is, you know, if you play most of a season you should get credit for you know, your your stat should be taken seriously. Right. Um I think maybe I remember saying like two thirds of events would be a good number. Uh if we assume that Ganon played every event and had four hundred thirty five attempts, if you do two thirds of that, now you're looking at something in like the 280, 290 range probably for attempts. Right. So a hundred could be low. Don't get me wrong, but the fact that that qualifier is that low and there are still only 17 players getting above 35% I think speaks to how difficult it really is.
1: Yeah, I wonder you know what we should do in the off season this year. We should do an episode or at least a study where we just look briefly into what what we typically see for like what we would consider like enough of a season. And basically, set like a minimum number of attempts for things like C1X putting seasons or Circle Two putting or things like that, right? And I think setting that objectively at the beginning of the season is like the fairest way to do that before anybody does anything, right? And then when you get those guys like Reed and Cameron Messerschmitt coming in and putting up a thing, now you we can't make those decisions after we've seen their numbers, right? We've we've already decided. You know, right. You need, a, you need a minimum of a hundred circle two putts, or whatever the number is. Um, and I mean, that's that's relatively simple statistics to to look at it and say, you know, what? Let's let's make it so that a single putt is not counting more than a full percentage point. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that'd be an interesting thing to look at.
0: Last note I have here on Gannon, looking at the DGPT numbers again. So his number was 40.66%. Ricky, this season, now has the second highest DGPT uh, C2 percentage in a season. That number is 37.84%. The difference between Gannon at first and Ricky in second is 2.82 percentage points. The difference between Ricky and the 17th best Circle 2 season, so you know, we said 17 players meet that criteria of 35% and 100 attempts. The worst of those 17 seasons, the difference between that season and Ricky is 2.84 percentage points. So basically, if you take the gap between Gannon and the 17th best season, the halfway point of that distance is the second best season. <laughs> that season by the way the 17th best season uh it was 2022 eagle mcmahon who attempted exactly 100 putts and made exactly 35 of them so it is like the perfect point on the graph when you see all these points right yeah there's eagle 35 out of 100 and then every point has more attempts and more percentage than that, but that's the baseline twenty twenty two
1: eagle mcMahon yep that's that that leftmost point on that graph
0: yep, so kind of funny anyways on to our final season that we wanted to talk about uh, first season of the fPO that we wanted to talk about, and this section is dedicated to silva Saarinen. so obviously having this discussion about having the right number of attempts to qualify for these things. One of the things we're going to have to take into account is players who are mostly playing on the European Tour, because some of those events are really big events, but they're not DGPT events, at least not through 2023. Now, if I remember right, there's going to be some synchronizing between the U.S. Tour, the DGPT Tour, and the European Tour, so hopefully more of those events that players are playing in Europe will count towards DGPT stats without us having to like enforce that manually. If it comes to that, you know, we'll do it, to be fair to these players. But hopefully it will be a little easier. For Silva, that's going to be really relevant because I want to make the case right now that she is our best hope for dethroning own as the best FPO putter. Okay. Now I, I don't wish that upon own necessarily. I think she's earned it and I, I don't dislike her having that title, but if she was going to get dethroned and end the evil empire, which I love saying as a Red Sox fan, uh, I think Silva's the best chance to do it. So let's look at some numbers here. So looking at DGPT events and DGPT events only, looking at Circle 1 percentage to start. So OWN this season came in at 83.84%. 526 attempts, 441 makes. That was, of course, the best in the FPO field this season. If we look at all of OWN's events, not just DGPT events, that number basically doesn't change. Despite having 82 more attempts... In non-DGPT events, so the attempts goes from 526 to 608, which is a much bigger jump than I would have guessed. But the percentage goes from 83.84 to 83.88.
1: So <laughs> she's so consistent. No difference.
0: Yeah. Uh, obviously, that mark was also first for the full season C1x. Silva Saarinen looking at her DGPT C1x percentage. so actually about a percentage point higher than Owen. Obviously, what you have to look at here is the number of attempts, where Owen had 526, Silva only has 353, but that's still a
1: pretty good number. Yeah, that's that's a decent amount of attempts.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, when we look at all events that Silva played, including ones that were not DGPT events, that percentage drops from 84.7 to 82.57 and the attempts go from 353 to 717 to give you an idea of just how many events she's playing that are not dgpt events right right so yeah hopefully we'll have to figure out how to do it right i don't think we can just look at dgpt events because it hurts the European players so much. We'll have to figure out how to do that. Hopefully the DGPT kind of takes care of that for us by including those big European events in the DGPT stats. Otherwise, we may have to come up with another name for how we group those big ticket events, right? But uh, if we just look at those full seasons, Owen clearly has the edge there. But I think the numbers are there to say that Silva is kind of our best bet. Uh, The fact that she's even within a percentage point of own is something that we really don't see. Uh, The closest player to own looking at players who are playing the U.S. tour is probably Missy Gannon, who didn't even break 80% in C1X. She was very close, but uh, not able to break 80%. She came in at 7947 With 823 attempts, too. That is a lot. And if you look at UDIS Live, there are some other players between Silva and Missy, but their attempt numbers are just really, really low. I mean, I think you could put an attempt qualifier of, like, 150, and most of them would no longer be in the discussion.
1: Yeah, it's it's really important to, to think about the the bottom number of attempts right and the and the qualifiers for the events in the context of the euro tour because i mean the the choice you make is the difference between not just silva being top this year but like top all time right i mean she's bumping up against that ceiling that own has claimed and it's it's really challenging to to make the decision one way or the other right because it it really isn't fair to her to not include all of her events um in this case, choosing only d g p t events actually does does help her um like you said eighty four point seven but it it's a difficult choice to make, right, and I think hopefully there will be some clarity on that in the next couple of years as as you said with the the tours kind of bringing the walls down a little bit, more of these Euro events being considered DGPT events and hopefully encouraging the Euro players to be able to come over and play in the U.S. more often. Um, you know, Silva did play a, a few events um, this year in in the U.S., but it, it'll be exciting to see more European players doing this so we can start to make these comparisons a little bit more apples to apples, right? It's, it's hard when they're not playing the same events on the same courses, the same number of events, you know, against the same competition, all of those things weigh into it. Um, but nevertheless, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. I, I think we can't change the banners yet as far as Own being the definitive best FPO putter. But I think no, definitely not. Silva is definitely the, the strongest challenger at this point.
0: Yeah, you mentioned that their seasons looked very different as far as the events that they played. They only played in the same event three times. Those events were Music City Open, Blue Ridge Championship, and Champions Cup. Uh, They also both played in Worlds, but OWN dropped out of that tournament very quickly, so I'm not counting that as as a fourth. Um, So obviously, you know, they only played in three of the same events, which makes it hard to compare these seasons when you look at it from that perspective. But I do think it's pretty fair to compare their total season C1X percentages because they both had a ton of attempts, 608 for own and 717 for Silva. And when you look at these courses, obviously they're not playing the same courses. And I I don't know how the difficulty of the European courses compares to the courses on the u.s tour but even if the difficulty is not really the same that difficulty difference probably really boils down to difficulty in t to green right i mean i don't know how much these courses can possibly vary in difficulty on the green so i i don't hold it against them like i i don't think these seasons are impossible to compare to each other just because they weren't playing the same courses, you know what I'm saying? right, yeah,
1: I agree with that i I don't think there's that much variety in the greens and stuff like that um, i I think I agree. And just to put in context the level of talent that we're talking about here in in Euro tour events, Silva played six events, including the European Open. Um, she placed 13th at the European Open. At the other five Euro Tour events that she played, she won all of them. Yeah. Every single one that she played. And four of those five were were DGPT events as well. So I, I believe they counted as Silver Series events uh, as far as DGPT points went in 2023. Um, but... Extremely impressive stuff, and not just on the putting green. I mean, really, really strong stats on the fairway as well. You know, third in circle one regulation. So, I mean, she's a really strong player. I think seeing her continue to compete more in these events that have, have you know, wider fields is going to really give us a better sense of where she falls relative to everybody else. But I agree with you that I think the putting is the putting and it doesn't matter too much where you're putting. So I I expect to see her near the top again and I I like you said I would never wish it upon own, but it's always fun to see see the color of the banners change sometimes and and get a nice challenger at the top, you know, get get some competition for who's the best FPO putter next year.
0: Totally agree. Especially seeing a battle between Own and Silva, I think would be really cool throughout the season because uh, Silva only played two events back in 2021. One of those events was the European Junior Championships, which yeah. I imagine you have to be 18 or under to, to play in those events. Right. So I don't think she's older than 20, right? And then you have Owen, who's like 42 or something and just is obviously the best putter in the world. Uh, it would be a cool dynamic to like see those two battling it out for circle two champion you know yeah and then then imagine having heather young back on the tour too oh Oh, god
1: yes oh
0: don't even get me started
1: i wish for that
0: yeah another cool thing talking about uh circle two numbers honestly i don't even remember if we were talking about circle two numbers but we are now uh own 21.22 percent. silva 20.32 so those are were the first best and the second best seasons not DGPT seasons, but full seasons. They were the only two players to exceed 20% in circle two. So this is not just own and Silva tearing it up in circle one and being the best two putters in circle one, but also circle two. So very, very cool. Sometimes, especially in the MPO, there's a lot more difference between who the top players are in circle one and who the top are in circle two. Yeah, not necessarily a lot of difference, but there's definitely people who show up in circle two that don't show up in circle one, players who show up in circle one that don't show up in circle two. FBO seems a little bit more consistent, like the names tend to carry over from one to the other a little more than the MPO, which is kind of cool.
1: Yeah, it it definitely, it definitely seems that way, right? Like, obviously, if you're a strong circle two putter in MPO in general, you're going to be a strong circle one putter as well and vice versa but it definitely seems like in fpo there's a lot of players that are like third on the season in one and fifth on the season in the other right whereas in mpo it's it's not quite not quite as cut and dry like that um and i think as the field gets deeper in fpo we'll we'll see some separation there some some specialization
0: one last player i wanted to mention on the fpo side I'm sure I'm going to butcher this name and I apologize for that. Nikola Moravkova. I'm sure I, you know, I said it. I'm sure I mispronouncing that. Uh only played 6 events in the season. They were all in Europe, but they were big names on the Euro Tour. Like when you think of the Euro Tour, these are some of the names you think of. Those events were the Pro Forester, Konopiště Open, Crocall Open, the Swedish Open, Skaleftea Open and the European Disc Golf Championships. So six huge events. It doesn't really give her enough attempts to where I would say she should qualify for being in the running for some of these uh, putting statistics. But her C1X percentage was 81.44% over 194 attempts. So almost 200 attempts. And right around 81.5%. So... definitely a tier down from Silva and a couple tiers down from Owen, but anyone over that eighty percent mark is someone I think you gotta keep an eye on. And being over eighty one percent is even more noticeable. It doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're as deep in the data as, as we are, uh the difference between eighty and eighty one is is pretty massive. I mean consider Missy Gannon, we look at her as one of the best putters in the FBO and she's under eighty percent in C1X, right? So obviously she had four times as many attempts as Moravkova, but still, I I think it's an eye, it is a name to keep an eye on, especially if more of the events, well, I was going to say more of the events that she plays uh, fall under the DGPT umbrella, but she actually just didn't really play that many events altogether. So I guess that argument doesn't hold for her. Hopefully she'll just play more events and we can see what she's able to do over a longer Duration. What I really like about Moravkova is that she's sponsored by a company called Wingman Discs. Okay. Wingman Discs only makes two molds, so she does throw other discs, obviously. But, you know, she does bag both of Wingman's molds. They have a mid-range and a putter, and obviously that's the putter that she uses. And she's really good, so if you've never heard of Wingman Discs... Uh, they've got a very good putter repping their name, so maybe that's one to try
1: out. Do you know the name of the
0: putter off the top of your head? It is the D'Lask, I believe. Okay. So D L A S K. I, If I remember right, the translation to English is the Hawfinch, which is not a bird name I even knew existed until seeing that, but... Yeah, the Hoffinch, if you if you look it up. Or the Delask, which probably will give you better results since that's the native name, so to say, of, of right. the park. Yeah, and Joe, that's really all I got for this episode. So I would love to say it's a shorter one. We're still, you know, approaching the 50-minute mark, but shorter by our standards.
1: Yeah, and it was it was neat because I think it was almost like three mini ones in one episode, right? Where we get to kind of dive into three different player seasons and make some comparisons and stuff like that. And I I think it continues to underscore that both fields are getting stronger and stronger and stronger and the records continue to get broken. And these sort of putting records and putting seasons and what we consider a good season, that envelope is getting pushed every year. So I think we can we're we're kind of living in the glory days right now I think as far as this right and who knows I mean one of these years could be the year that somebody pops off a 45% C1X and that that sticks for a decade right you never know when that's going to happen and or or if it has already has happened right so it's it's really exciting to be living in such a rapidly evolving time in the sport I know I'm enjoying it
0: and on the other side of the coin, we might have instances like own circle two putting last year over thirty percent. She only got twenty one percent this year, so even a putter as good as her so so close in time to when she put up thirty plus percent was not even close was not even able to come even remotely close to that number, so that number might be a number that's still on top 30 years from now, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a whole mixed bag of what we're going to get. I think there's going to be a lot of records that get broken next year with regards to putting. There are some that won't, my guess is that circle two number is probably going to hold. So we'll see. But like you said, I mean, we're, we're living in the age where the amount of statistical data that we have is so small that it is not at all crazy to think that a lot of these records are going to get broken
1: yeah one of the things that i've been planning on springing on you this off season is i want to do a 2024 predictions episode right and yeah i I certainly would want to talk about you know putting you know where do we think are the is the record going to get broken who's going to do it those sorts of conversations so exciting stuff the YouTube
0: algorithm has just recommended Simon Lazat's new video, saying, check it, "Check it out! Is this my new home course?"
1: Yeah, it was it was fun, man. For for a public course, you know, all volunteer effort to put that in place, I was very impressed. It's free. Um, it's it's a little different than a lot of the other courses around here, which is neat. There was a lot of placement shop par fours, which honestly aren't that common in New England disc golf. Um, so. I, I had fun. I think it's still a work in progress and there's a lot of work that still needs to be done. You know, some of the lines can keep getting cut and cleaned up and, and cut in, but I think overall they're in a great place for a course that's really only existed for a couple months. So I'm excited to see where it goes. For sure. All right. Any closing thoughts here, Joe, before we sign out? I'm very excited for 2024 to see what's in store.
0: Totally agree. I'm very excited to talk about some predictions Who knows when we get around to talking about it, but I'm sure we will. But until
1: then and until next time, peace.